In one English translation of the Bible, the word if appears 1,595 times. I know that because I consulted a concordance, not because I counted them on myself. In today's first reading, for example, the word if appears no less than 10 times. God says it three times, and Abraham says it seven times as he intercedes for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. The fact that the word is so prevalent in the Bible means something. It indicates that God has made certain things in this life conditional. That is to say, they will only happen if we do what needs to be done to make them happen. You will live and grow numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you, Moses said to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 31, if you obey his commandments and walk in his ways. Jesus said, your Heavenly Father will forgive you your sins if you forgive the sins of others. So that those are just two of the more than 1,500 possible examples I could share with you today. But actually the number is much higher than that because there are a lot of verses in the Bible where the word if is not explicitly stated, but it's definitely implied. We see that in today's Gospel text from Luke 11. In that passage, Jesus says, Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will be opened to you. The word if doesn't appear anywhere explicitly in that verse, but it's implied three times. The Lord's message is you will receive, but only if you ask and keep asking. You will find only if you seek. And it will be open to you only if you knock. And finally, we have the implicit ifs that stand behind the explicit ifs and can be added to the explicit biblical ifs and implied biblical ifs that I just mentioned. Hopefully you could follow that at 7 in the morning. What do I mean by that? We'll take a look once again at today's first reading. As I said a few moments ago, the word if appears there explicitly ten times. But behind all of those explicit ifs, there's a very big implied if. And it comes from the mouth of God himself. If you, Abraham, intercede for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, I will honor your prayer. And I'll bestow an extra measure of mercy, my mercy, upon them. Abraham understood that if. He understood it very well, which is why he kept the conversation with God going until he got the Lord down to ten. Father Ray, what's the point of all this iffy information? Well, it's really rather simple. So often we wonder why more good things don't happen in this world. And in the process, we can be very quick to point the finger at God, as if it's his fault. God, why don't you do something about this? But the truth is, in many cases, the fault is our own. We have failed to ask, and to ask persistently. We fail to seek. We have failed to knock. We failed to reach out to our brothers and sisters in need. We have failed to elect enough pro-life people into office. We failed to share our faith with others and lead them to conversion. We failed to forgive. We failed in a thousand and one other ways. In the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 9, St. Paul calls us God's 
co-workers. It's a very important expression. It calls us God's co-workers. That means certain good things will not happen to us or to our world unless we cooperate with God's grace and are His co-workers and do what needs to be done to make these good things happen. In other words, we have to capitalize on the conditional. Since life is so full of ifs, we have to resolve to take advantage of as many of them as we can, to capitalize on them. One person who took advantage of a crucial if in her life was Joyce Smith. She's a woman I spoke about in my homily this past Mother's Day. Some of you might have heard that. Her story was the subject of the 2019 movie Breakthrough. Joyce is the mother of John Smith, who on January the 19th, 2015, fell through the ice on a frozen lake near his home in St. Charles, Missouri. John was 14 years old when this happened. By the time the first responders found John and pulled him out of the icy water, he wasn't breathing, he had no pulse, and he had been without oxygen for a full 15 minutes. The responders, of course, immediately started CPR, took him to the local hospital, where doctors and medical personnel continued to work on him feverishly for 43 more minutes and got no response. The medical team finally gave up. And they called in Joyce, John's adoptive mother, so she could pay her final respects to her son before they officially declared him dead. But Joyce Smith was not ready to give up hope for her son's recovery. So she began to pray, pray over his lifeless body, in a loud voice that they say could be heard throughout the entire emergency room of the hospital. She doesn't remember the entire prayer she said that day, but she does recall saying these words to the Lord. Please send your Holy Spirit to save my son. Please save your, send your Holy Spirit to save my son. Please send your Holy Spirit to save my son. She asked and asked and asked and kept on asking. Well, suddenly, without any further medical intervention, the boy's heart monitor began to register a pulse. And that put him on the road to what has become a full and complete recovery. It's a miracle, really, of course. The first doctor who treated John that day in the emergency room said it perfectly in his medical report. He wrote, patient dead, mother prayed, patient came back to life. Ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. If Joyce Smith did not ask, if she did not seek, if she did not knock, and if she did not do those things perseveringly, in all likelihood she would have lost her son. In this terribly dark and tragic situation, she capitalized on the conditional. And she received a great blessing in the process. May the Lord help us to do the very same thing in our own lives.